I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. All right, we're back for another episode of the Fried Egg Podcast, and uh, we are happy to welcome our esteemed guest this week, Josh Gregory. Uh, Josh won back-to-back national championships as the head coach at Augusta State um, and was also more recently the head coach at SMU before now uh, venturing into the professional golf world where he serves as a coach for players such as John Peterson, Kelly Kraft, uh, Henrik Norlander, and uh, some other web guys like Carlos Ortiz. Josh, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I re- really, really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it'd be great if you gave us a little bit of, uh, you know, your, your background, your story, um, how you got into golf and, you know, your playing career, and then how you got into coaching. You know, I, I started at, at a young age. I started, I think I've got pictures of me when I was, 18 months old with my dad playing, and I was an only child, so I was uh, spoiled rotten with love and uh, grew up playing every sport, you know, kind of known the man and, and kind of stuck with golf and baseball. And, uh, you know, played, uh, you know, just ride around the cart with my dad and play play all the time. And, and uh, you know, we had, a little, we had a great course that I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, a place called Wendike Country Club. And, uh, they had 36 holes, and we had an 18-hole par three course, so I could uh, pretty much be dropped off and, and spend all day out there, and that's how I spend every day of my summer. And, uh, it was it was the best place in the world as, as a kid to, to to grow up and play golf. And uh, went on to play uh, college golf at SMU in Dallas, and, and played under Hank Haney. Uh, he was he was our college coach, and uh, and learned 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 a ton, learned a ton from him uh, about how to play the game. Learned a ton about work ethic. Uh, he's probably one of the hardest working you know working guys I've I've ever seen in my entire life. And, I uh, learned a ton about the game, learned a ton about discipline, course management, uh, swing, et cetera, et cetera, from him. And, uh, tried to play a little bit professionally after that uh, for about two years and uh, quickly realized that uh, I wasn't good enough. Uh, I, I didn't know, uh, uh, I didn't really know that the Hooters tour and, uh, played on the weekend. I, I pretty much finished most of my events on Friday. So <laughs> I had a lot of weekends off, which is not, not so good in the professional golf world, but um, you know, I, I, physically, I was probably I, I was I was plenty good enough. I just didn't have the mindset. I didn't have the the, the belief. I didn't have the selfishness, quite honestly, to, to be great. Uh, went about it the wrong way. I worked really hard. Uh, spent a lot of hours trying to perfect technique and perfect the golf swing and, and just doing things that weren't very productive or conducive to good play. Uh, so I learned a lot about uh, uh, coaching from all my mistakes. So. Uh, I, I knew that I, I quit playing after two years that, that coaching was the only thing I ever had in the back of my mind that, that I wanted to do, and I thought I could be pretty good at it. Um, little did I know how hard it was to be a college golf coach. I had no idea uh, the work that went on behind the scenes, the, the recruiting, the fundraising, paperwork, um, all that stuff. I just assumed you showed up at practice at 1 o'clock and tried to help you guys get better and, and, and go from there. But uh, Fortunately, I got a great break. I was hired by... 
uh, Coach Richard Sykes at NC State is a Hall of Famer who's retiring this year. Uh, the job was open, and I interviewed and, and was lucky enough to get it. And I, I was the uh, assistant men's and women's golf coach at, at North Carolina State, working, working for both programs. And, uh, that kind of started my career, and I was so indebted to them to, to give me a chance because uh, had they not taken a chance on a 24-year-old that really didn't know what college golf, what coaching was all about, um, I would have never had the college coaching career I had, and, and let alone being able to do what I'm doing now. But um, Coach Sykes taught me everything about how to treat people. He was uh, the best at it. I mean, he um, he said the best thing in the world is being called a coach. The best thing in the world is you know, 15, 20 years down the road, one of your former players will pick up the phone and say, "Hey, coach, how you're doing?" And, uh, I learned a lot from that mentality. Uh, you love your players first. You take care of them first. Um, I'm not afraid to say, hey, I, I, I tried to become their friend first before I became their coach. And whether that's right or wrong, that, that's how my personality works. And I think that's the way the best coaches are. Uh, you have to get their respect as their friend and as their buddy before they can ever ever trust you with, with how to really make their make the golf game better. And um, that was uh, I learned that from him. And uh, it's kind of been my philosophy throughout my coaching careers. Love, love your guys first, coach them second, and uh, that, that everything else kind of falls, falls into, into place. So, um, that was kind of after my couple years at NC State. Uh, I went to uh, was fortunate enough to get hired at, at, at a state, uh, and I got to Georgia and, and coached there for nine years. Um, had some had some had some really great players. Really uh, really cool place to coach. One of the probably few universities in the world that actually gets college golf and college golf actually, actually means something. Um, it was our, it was that we were the only division one sport at that school. It was a division two school competing in, in uh, division one men's and women's golf. And uh, we were fortunate enough to win back-to-back national championships in 2010 and 2011. Um, and, uh, went on, went on from there to uh, back to my alma, alma mater at SMU and coached for three years and kind of rebuilt the program there and got it going. And then uh, now I'm out on my own and, uh, trying to see if I can uh, make a bigger difference in the game of golf coaching uh, uh, on a full-time, you know, full, full basis, whether it's uh, the best players in the world like Patrick Reed or John Peterson or Kelly Kraft or whether it's a 10-year-old kid just trying to get better. It's still the same principles apply, and uh, I'm very thankful to get to do what I do uh, every day. I've never really had a real job. I've gotten to coach every day. I've gotten to go to the golf course every day, and uh, now I get to do that all day long, yeah, and I'm very, very thankful for it. And, trying to do it a little different way and, and you know, just trying to coach and, and coach the way I would want to be coached. So, so far it's going great. And I'm uh, really lucky to work with a bunch of cool guys that, that buy in. And, and, and so far uh, they're, they're getting a lot better. Yeah. That's uh, I think, you know, from what I uh, heard on uh, when I heard you talk earlier and what interested me in bringing you on, I I'd love to hear more about your approach and how it's a little bit different from, you know, the traditional strict instruction approach and more of a coaching approach approach yeah you know i have the utmost respect for for pure instructors and i've I've been around i've been fortunate enough to to be around uh butch Harmon. i've seen david ledbear teach i've seen uh, hank haney obviously been around him a lot uh i'm sticking who's a a, you know top 100 instructor very close friend of mine uh brian white guys like that and i think the world of as as great you know great instructors and randy smith uh, people like that that i've been around learned so much from them um, but I wouldn't label myself, you know, as, as an instructor. I mean, obviously there is a, a teaching instruction component to any form of, of coaching, and, and there is, you know, some, some teaching instruction to what I do. Uh, but that's not that's not my first love. That's not my first passion. My coaching and figuring out how to make guys better. And you know, that 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 comes with understanding personality first, and that's where 
my job begins. Coaching is through a relationship. You have to have a relationship with each player you coach, and you have to understand what drives them. You know, some kids need to kick the butt, some kids need to pat on the back, and you've got to figure out. You've got to figure out that first. You've got to figure out what motivates them, what drives them, and that's how I always coached in college. I didn't. I didn't believe in college golf as a team sport. Uh, I think coaches who believe in it as a team sport are missing the boat because it's not. It's an individual sport. It just happens to be wrapped in a, in a team format. And uh, I coach individuals. I figured if I got the best out of out of each individual, each of my eight or nine kids on the team, then the team the, then the team would take care of itself at, at the end of the day. Uh, yes, you have to be a team off the course, and yes, you your the team chemistry is terribly important, but it really means nothing uh, when you're in the golf course. You got to take care of yourself. You got to be selfish. You got to be an individual and and do, and do what's best for you. And that's kind of how I evolved my coaching theory of, of co- coaching each individual to the best best of my ability. And that means there's different plans. There's different, honestly, different rules for for different kids as well. So uh, carrying that over into, into my kind of new job as 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 you know being being a golf coach, uh, a full time golf coach, not a college golf coach. Uh, I was really. Uh, I was I wasn't sure, quite honestly. I, I I I knew there was a need for coaching at the junior level. I knew there was a need for pure coaching at the collegiate level. I knew there was, but I wasn't so certain on the professional level. Um, I thought it could work. I really did, uh, but I wasn't certain. And I was fortunate enough to to get a call from Patrick Reed uh, about a year and a half ago or so, and he I coached him in college, and uh, he called me and wanted me to, to help him out and work with him. And, uh, he had some great success last year. He went from 23rd in the world to 7th. Uh, I think kind of 20 out of 32 events worldwide he finished in, in the top 10. So uh, it really validated that, that there was a need for coaching. And, and, you know, we didn't – there were probably 95% of what, what I did with him and what I do with my guys today is, is practice plans, um, how to structure your, your practice, you know, spending equal time in all four phases of the game, full swing, uh, distance wedges, chipping, chipping, pitching bunker, and, and then putting. Um, and then in, in addition to that, not all, not spending all of your time in technique. You're doing a lot of competitive practice, a lot of one ball work. They're just essentially making 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 practice fun, making it mean something. Uh, you hear guys say all the time how how hard they work. Well, coach, I'm working hard. I'm working hard, but I'm not getting you better. Well, clearly you're not working at it in the best way. You're not working at it in an effective way. So it's my job as a coach to, to figure out what is the most effective way for that player. And every player has different plans. Every player has different uh, ways we go about it. But uh, it's, I try to make it as simple as possible. You look you look at a player's strengths and weaknesses, uh, whether I met with John Peterson, what was Kelly Kraft when we first started working. I mean, you look you look at the strengths and weaknesses, and, and, and you go from there, and you analyze it. You know, and it amazed me that you know some of these guys on the PGA Tour really didn't know where they where they ranked in, in comparison to their peers in some of the stats and and that's my job my job is is as i is i tell them your job is to swing the club my job is to provide the plan provide the path provide the knowledge for you to to get better and your job is to show up and swing the club and, um that's what i love doing i love the structure of it uh, i love coaching and teaching the short game that's probably would, would be my strength as a teacher is from 120 yards and in really getting guys to practice it in an effective way but um you know, I have different roles for every guy. Some guys, I'm their swing coach as well. Uh, I understand uh, the golf swing. Uh, I, I understand it. But my job is not to understand everything about the golf swing. That's not my love and my passion. My job is to understand the players that I coach, understand their golf swing, and understand how to get the best out of their golf swing, and understand, uh, you know, I have kind of a simple theory. It's 
You know, we, we all get so wrapped up in technique and learning, you know, trying to fix, you know, fix, fix your shots by technique, technique, technique. Uh, and I kind of a little different approach. I try to get guys to hit shots to fix technique. Uh, I mean, if you're hitting a, if you're hitting a, you know, if you're, if you're overhooking the golf ball or hitting, hitting high draws or whatever, what, what the opposite of that would be a low fade. So always trying to find the happy medium and learning to fix techniques by hitting shots. And, and I think it's a very simplistic way of looking at it. Uh, you know, so far it's working pretty good for the guys. But, again, it starts with a relationship. It starts with that trust factor uh, and being all in and, and knowing that, you know, these, you, know these, the guy, you love your guys and they know you love them and you're doing everything you can possible to, to help them get better. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, you know, you coach individuals, but your job is to work as a team with your guys. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how – with different players, you adapt, uh, and and more specifically, different personalities, you adapt your plans and how you structure practice. Well, if you, you look at uh, the, the two guys I'm working with most exclusively right now, Kelly Kraft and, and John Peterson. I mean, they're, they're they're polar opposite personalities. I mean, John Peterson is, is very high strung. Uh, he can be a, a little uh, a, a little uh, hot under the collar on the golf course. His attitude can sometimes get get in the way. Uh, so I know with him that I have to be pretty hard on him. Uh, there, there's times when you know, I've caddied for him a couple times, and when we're working together, he, he told me from day one, you need to be hard on me, otherwise this isn't going to work. Uh, and that's not necessarily my strength. I don't, I don't enjoy being the bad guy. I don't, I don't like that. That's uh, definitely my weakness. But I know with him that if I don't, if I'm not that way with him, I'm not going to get the most out of him. And you have to be hard on him. You have to, you know, get in his face when his attitude's act, acting, acting, acting poorly. But you also have to build him up when, when he's doing the right things. Uh, you know, Kelly, for example, is a much more laid-back personality, extremely talented, uh, extremely aggressive in how he goes about playing the game. And, and I've had to, um, you know, but he didn't have a real good, a real good plan, a really good understanding of what he really needed to do to work on. Uh, you know, he's always had a great golf swing. He does some great work with with his with his swing coach uh, Troy Denton, and that's what's great about what I do. I can, um, you know, I have no no ego in this deal. If that, if that means involving a, a swing coach, another coach, that is, you know, I'm I'm here to make the player better. And I'm lucky with, with Kelly that we have I have a great relationship with Troy Denton, and, and that he you know he's quite honestly he's one of the few coaches that that has the is humble enough to understand that hey we're all in this to help Kelly get better. And if that means he's doing his part and I'm doing my part, then and Kelly gets better, then it's a win-win situation. There, there's not a lot of coaches that would kind of check their ego at the door and, and allow that to happen, you know. And they want to have, everybody kind of wants to have control of everything. It's not my deal. I'm all in it to, to help help the player get better, whether that's me doing it exclusively or whether that's involving somebody else in, in the team effort as well. But uh, you know, more specifically with, with Kelly, I mean, he needs uh, he needed structure. Uh, he needed a lot of short game help. He was, you know, his stats were he was outside the top 150 in almost every short game category, and uh, he's slowly improving to that. And, and you can see the see the results are, are starting to, to click with finishing, you know, 20, 21st, 28th, 27th, and second in his last, you know, last four out of five events. So, um, you know, he needed structure. He needed to be told how good he how good he was. Um, mm-hmm. Both he and John are very similar personalities, and that they are not afraid. They both have the belief that they can be one of the best in the world, but, but candidly, they just didn't have the full game to match up with that belief. And now, hopefully, I'm helping them develop a full game to where there is no weakness in their game that can match up with that belief. So when, they, when they're in those Sunday late afternoon periods, they're not going to be afraid. And I think that's shown, you know, John's had, had 
a 15th and a 12th this year and was in the last group at Phoenix, which was a big step for him. And Kelly uh, finishing second last week was, was a big step for him as well to kind of validate the work that we've been doing. But uh, more importantly, you know, get that confidence that you need to, to feel like, hey, I, I belong with the best in the world. Um, so with your guys, they're mostly, you know, you know, under 30, you've got a, a stable of web guys and you've got Norlander, Kraft, um, Reed, who's obviously a world-class wedge player, Peterson. Would you say that inside 120 yards is, is where the biggest kind of difference between the college and, and pro game is, or how, how would you compare the two? I think there's two there's two things that that are the difference. I think clear, clearly, uh, I'd say probably three things. To be safe, there are misses off the tee. Uh, guys on tour, you know, very rarely hit it in the jump. They very rarely have penalty shots. Uh, guys in college golf, you know, they they their their miss is a, is a little bit greater. Players on tour miss it uh, much in, in much better spots. Uh, there's no doubt their wedge the, the the wedge play from 120 yards and in so much better at the PGA Tour level than the collegiate level. And then I think the the, the final difference, if you, if, you look at, if you look at that, the best putters in the world are really good from 6 to 12 feet. Uh, almost almost whether it's Brent Sedek or whether it's Patrick Reed, whether it's Jordan Spieth, whether it was Jason Day last year who had maybe the best putting year of all time, uh, they're really good from 6 and 12 feet. They don't three-putt and they make, and they make their 6 to 12 footers. That is, that is the biggest difference. That, you know, everybody on tour pretty much makes it you know, from 34 and 5 feet and from 15 to 20 feet, you know, their, their make percentages are pretty similar. Uh, but from 6 to 12 feet is where you really see uh, the Brad Sedekers, the Jordan Spees, those guys of the world, Patrick Reese, the world, really separate themselves uh, from the rest. So, you know, a lot of the practice, uh, the practices and the games I do, uh, you know, are, are, are based on PGA Tour stats and based on the player strengths and weaknesses, and we combine those and develop a lot of games and competitions to try to simulate what they're going to do out on, uh, out on tour. And, and I think that's where the guys really enjoy themselves. I mean, that's, let, let's face it, you don't practice to practice. You practice to be able to compete. And I'm trying to make practice very competitive, to make it very intense. You know, you know, if we're going to be out there for three hours, let's really get after it. Let's make it intense. Let's make it, you know, when you leave, I want you to be mentally tired. I don't want you to be physically tired. I want you to be mentally exhausted and say, hey, we got something out of today. You know, here were our goals. Here was what we accomplished. Here were, here were the stats in our games. Here was our wedge proximities to the holes. Here's how many putts we, we, we made from from six to twelve feet. You know, all, all those things. Let's keep track of it. Keep a drummer of it. Do things that are really, uh, you know, tracking your progress. So we're not just out there putting in the hours because uh, everybody works hard. Everybody on the PGA Tour works hard. There's nobody that's out there just just because of talent alone. Uh, but instead of working hard, let's work effectively. Uh, and, and that's how my kind of word I use a lot. My guys probably get tired of hearing me say that, but uh, let, let's work effectively. I, I don't care how hard you work, but let's let's work effectively. What what are some of your kind of favorite drills uh, that you guys do? And you know, do you, do you you know do it? Do you usually have a group of guys out there practicing for these sessions, or you know, what do you do if you're working alone with a guy? Uh, you know, it's, again, it's all it's all related to what's going on in their game. I mean, there's still there's still you know several things that are kind of across the board that we do. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm a we, we do a lot we do a lot. You know, for, for example, on on putting, we're, we're doing a lot of a lot of a lot of putty drills, a lot of speed drills with you know with five balls and putting for maybe starting at ten feet, twenty feet, 
30 feet, 40 feet, 50 feet, and, and always doing something different, randomizing the practice, making sure that, uh, you know, the only time you should ever be hitting the same putt twice, candidly, is if you're doing, doing any form of technical work. Other than that, every putt, chip, wedge, full swing, whatever it may be, every shot should be, should be different than what you're going to get on the golf course. Do a lot of speed work with, with five balls from different distances. Do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite games that we do is you, you simply do 50 putts. You do 50 putts from 3 to 12 feet. Uh, you do five putts from each station, five spots around the hole, and, and see how many you make. I mean, PGA Tour average says you should make 32 out of 50 uh, from, from, from those 50 putts. And, and just trying to do that to where it's, it's simulating pressure. I mean, you're, you, know, you start missing a few. You get a little nervous. You get a little frustrated. you got, you got to fight through it got to try to kind of stick it out so uh, just some you know it's what i'm trying to do with, with these guys and what i'm trying to coach them to do to get them to do it when they're on their own the best players in the world do the same things every day and the best whether it's in business whether it's in golf you know you write things down you hold yourself accountable you do the same things over and over i mean i, I can't you know you always hear the stories about how many golf balls vj Singh had during his prime he, he was one of the best ball strikers on tour well he did the same drills day in and day out. He had a alignment rod behind him. He had a glove under his left arm. He had a water bottle just to the right of the golf ball, so he made sure the club was exited on, on the proper on the proper plane. Well, that's why he became a great ball striker. It wasn't because he was always searching for new things. He did the same things over and over. And that's what, you know, I'm trying to do with these guys in their practice habits and in their the way they're, you know, whether it's the way they're swinging the club, whether what we're doing in our, in our chipping, pitching, wedging, putting technique, whatever it may be. We're doing the same things over and over and over again with small variations to still keep it fun, still keep it fresh. But the best do the same things day day in day out. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's like anything. Opposite, opposite of what I did, I was constantly searching for searching for uh, going around in circles. And I think without the right guidance, I think that's where the coaching the coaching element is really is is seeing some success and seeing that it's needed out there. Uh, and sometimes, honestly, as a coach or as an instructor, you, you have to learn to shut up as well. You have to learn to be quiet and just, just let your guy go. Because I think too many times as coaches or instructors, we're torn and, and always wanting to feel like we're saying something or changing something. And, and you've got to have enough confidence in what you're doing and what the process of what you're doing. But sometimes you just got to be quiet. That if things are good, hey, let's just go with it. Let's yeah. let it roll. It's like I told Kelly Craft earlier today, clearly clearly, what, what, what he's doing is working. So this isn't the time. This isn't the time to make changes. Search for ways to win. This is this is the time to just keep doing exactly what we're doing, monitoring what what's going on. And you know what? We're going to put himself in, in, in that position enough times that, that hopefully, yeah, hopefully those wins lack. Uh, it's, but it's not the chat time to to search for for how to get better because clearly it's work. You know, work with John Peterson earlier today. You know, we had a great three hour short game session, and we literally did the same same drills, same. Same same games that we do almost every time when we, when we practice and even do the same things on the road and, uh, and I think that's we're also trying to get players to understand that you you practice at home you prepare on the road and, and there's a big difference there's a big difference about it and that's that's where I think too many guys spend too much time practicing on the road and searching for things as opposed to that's the time to prepare for the golf course learn the golf course stick to the drills stick to the games that that work for you and, and, and go from there. That's interesting. You know, I write a lot about golf courses and architecture, and I'm kind of curious how you guys go about, you know, kind of breaking down a golf course and developing a strategy for specific holes. 
Yeah, good question. Again, it depends on the player. Uh, you know, John Pe- John Peterson is a, is a phenomenal driver of the ball. He's one of the better drivers drivers of the ball on tour. So he, he's going to drive her almost on every hole because because that that that's his strength. Uh, you know, something that I've worked with with Kelly on pretty hard is understanding. Uh, he's a very aggressive player, but he sometimes is too is too aggressive with the wrong clubs. Uh, learning learning that, you know, from his from 100, 120 yards and in or 130 yards and in. We've got to get so good with all four of his wedges that there's not a flag that he can't go at. That if you want to shoot low scores, we've got to hit those close and understanding what, um, you know, getting so good from all those yardage with all, with all four of his wedges that he's choosing, choosing the club based on what, what that shot calls for, not what club he feels most comfortable hitting. And there's, there's a big difference in that. And so that's, that's where, uh, the strategy comes in and also understanding that with a six iron, from 200 yards, you know, average proximity to holes about 30 to 30, 30 to 4 feet on the PGA Tour. That hitting a six iron to 30 feet is okay, mm-hmm. and it's okay to hit it to the fat side of the green. It's okay uh, just to make a nice, easy par from there. And that's something that he was uh, kind of super aggressive in, in his game, going at going at too many flags with six irons, and quite honestly, not being aggressive enough with his wedges or not having enough shots with his wedges to truly to truly get his proximity to hole closer, so he could ha- have more chances at birdies. Um, also, now he's, you know, both of those guys are developing more and more short game, better and better short game skills, so they can go at more flags. Patrick Reed, as good as his short game is, he can go at every flag he wants to, because uh, his short game is his short game is so sound and so solid that there's not a flag he's not afraid of. Uh, but until you get to that point to where your short game is sound enough, you've got to play a little bit more conservative. You've got to play your strengths mm-hmm. and not put yourself in positions that you don't have the shots to recover from. So again. Uh, Cater to each guy's game. Cater to each guy's, uh, uh, you know, ability. Yeah, I think it, you know at that over, level. Overall goal, overall goal is getting to where there is not a weakness uh, in those four physical areas of the game: full swing, wedging, chipping, pitching, bunker, and putting. That there really isn't a weakness. That they're sound in all areas, so they're not really having to have to play away from any of those areas. But if one area is struggling, the other the others can 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 take care of the rest. Yeah. I imagine inside 120 yards for these guys, you can't have a bad number, and you can't have a shot you can't hit. Yeah, and and, and you know you always hear, well, that was a bad number, it was a tweeter number, it was whatever it may be, and and, and there are certain numbers that guys don't like, but uh, that's why you work on your wedges from from all those different yardages with, with all three or four of your wedges. So you you know, like last week at Pebble, the greens were so soft. Their slope from front to back and a lot of back flags. If you didn't have the ability to flight the golf ball and just kind of have it, you know, floating a little bit, you were going to be ripping it back off the front of every green. So, learning to again, learning to choose the club based on what the shot requires, as opposed to just choosing the club on which one you feel most comfortable with. And that that's kind of the the essential goal there. From from uh, and then learning around the greens, learning to to, to chip and pitch uh, with, with different clubs as well. I mean, there was a um, a couple of cool stories, you know, a couple of cool chances this weekend when when Kelly had long bunker shots. And we've been working on learning to hit 52s and 56s out of different lies, different type, types of bunkers, different types of sand. And, and he was able to execute those shots this weekend when before he would have probably just chosen a 60 degree wedge and hit it to maybe 15, 20 feet and not been able to get up and down. And, uh, you know, John Peterson the previous week in, in Phoenix when I was caddying for him, he had a, had a pitch shot in the 17th hole. And, uh, kind of a dicey pitch shot and chipped it up there at about eight inches and all he said was coach all, all I can think about is how many times I've hit this in practice this week and that's you know that, that's what you coach for those, those moments are pretty cool 
Yeah, that had to be awesome. Um, with going on the bag as a coach, you know how how do you have to kind of change your approach as the as the caddy and you know being the looper and you know as you said earlier, I imagine a lot of times it's it's about kind of shutting up and carrying the bag. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I mean, it's. Uh, I have the utmost respect for caddies after doing them. Gosh, I always, always did, but I'd be more so now. I mean, it's hard work. It's hard work to to just stay up. Those guys walk fast, uh, especially when you're raking bunkers and you're going to them, whatever. It's, it's tough. But, um, yeah, you do have to flip your role a little bit. You have to kind of uh, – but still, I think the best coach, the best caddies in the world would be awesome coaches. I really do, and I, and and the same same thing. You know, that way, the best coaches in the world would also be awesome caddies because it's a very similar job. Uh, if you're good at it, it's very similar. So you have to you have to know when to say something. You have to know when to let your player vent. Uh, you have to also know when to tell them, "Hey, it's time to go play golf. Shut up and let's go." Uh, and I think that's a key part of being being a, being a good caddy, a, a good coach. And um, I think you, you know you also have to know when to give when when too much when 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 to give information and when not to give information. Uh, you know, when when a player's got a green light flag from 145 yards, it's a perfect wedge. There's not the, really not a whole lot that needs to be said. Yeah. Uh, but when it's 200 yards to a tuck flag with water on the right and a ridge to the left or whatever it may be, that's when hey you got to be you got to be confident enough in your delivery to say hey hey bro this is a this is a six iron 25 feet left right there and we're gonna we're gonna two pot move on. Uh, so I think it's it's a it's a hard deal. I'm learning uh, learning to be a, a better caddy when needed, but uh, it's fun. I think um, as a coach you learn so much more being inside the ropes and being there and understand what they're, what your players think and what they're going through. And you're able to, to, to coach them way more effectively after you have that experience. And that's why as a coach, when I'm on the road, I, I spend a lot of time there watching the play. I'll never go to a tournament and, and, and leave on a Wednesday and, and just, you know, unless I just have to. Uh, but I'm a big believer in watching guys play, whether it's all weekend or whether it's maybe just Thursday and Friday, because that's what I learned the most. You're gonna you you get what you see on the range, what you see in practice rounds. A lot of times, is a lot different than what you see in the competition. At the end of the day, my job is to help them shoot the best score they possibly can. So, if I'm not watching them in competition and not learning, helping them learn how to manage the course better, learn you know, evaluate what they're doing right and wrong, then honestly, I'm I'm not doing my job. Uh, and that's what I'm hired to do is to help is to help them shoot the lowest score possible. So, uh, I think it's extremely important as coaches, instructors, whatever it may be. Uh, to stick around and watch your guys compete. So you got to uh, let us in. Did you make any, you know, hack caddy moves? Like, you know, did you did you get any bad looks? Oh from yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, the caddies I've been with so far have all been cool, and they've, they've, I've, I've explained to them on the first tee. Look, I don't do this full time. I love doing. I'm going to do my best, and I'll try not to screw up. But I'm probably going to. Uh, staying in the wrong place, I'm probably going to forget to rake their bunker when it's when it's my turn to rake their bunker or whatever it may be. But yeah, I, uh, I dropped the bag once. Fortunately, it wasn't in somebody's back swing. I've definitely dropped towels and head covers. That that's that's normal for me. Uh, I usually have a set over under of how many I'm going to drop in a day. Um, I didn't rake. Uh, I did. You know, when the, the confusing part is sometimes when you're supposed to rake rake the other player's bunker or not. Obviously, I understand I got to rake mine, but. When you got to rake somebody else's bunker, I've messed that one up a couple times as well. But fortunately, no, uh, no major mistakes that have cost anybody any shots or any any dirty dirty looks just yet. I just try to uh, uh, try to do the best I can. But the caddies out there are cool. So they're, they're they're fun to hang out with. And they're fun. To, you, you, you you learn a lot. You learn a lot about. They're good about uh, showing the showing the rookies uh, <laughs> what what the heck to do. 
Yeah. Um, it's, uh, they're like a, a brethren out there. It's, uh, I'm curious with, uh, it being Riviera week and, you know, the 10th hole just, you know, it, it's a divisive little par four. Uh, how do you have guys like Kelly Craft? How, how's the strategy different for Patrick Reed compared to Kelly Craft or is it the same? I think it depends on the whole location, for one. I think it, it seems to be, and honestly, I've never been to Riviera. I've just obviously watched it on TV. And, uh, it, it, it seems to be, you know, the, based on the flag, whether, whether or not you, you go for it or not. But then again, it also is is, is catered to a player's, play, a player's style. I mean, it's, it'd, be, it'd be hard to take the, the driver out of a certain player's, you know, player's hand if that's, their, if that's their best club in their bag and to have, have an aggressive nature. Uh, but if also if you've got a you've got a player such as a Zach Johnson or, or somebody who's who's incredible incredible with their wedges and that's the strength of the game. Um, it's like when he won the Masters, he laid up on all on all sixteen par fives for the week and, and won. And I'm sure there were numerous times when he could have reached the green, but he knew that was strength. Uh, it's it's something that you, you a prime example of a couple of weeks ago, caddying for John, we we were he had 242 yards to the 15th hole. At, uh, at Phoenix, the, the par five, the, kind of the Island Green, which is sounds like an absolute no-brainer uh, to go for because it's a pretty big green. You've got bunkers around there, and as good as he hits it, uh, he's going to hit it on land, you know, nine out of ten times. But honestly, he did, he didn't have a club for it. He, he, he carries his full iron uh, about two hundred eight, two ten, and and if he misses a groove low, it's going to be in the water short. But he carries his five wood about two forty, and the green the greens were were firm, and so if he hits that, it probably goes long, which is going to be almost an, an impossible pitch and uh so we didn't have a club for it and uh talked him into laying up because uh, now he has a good enough wedge game before he wouldn't have had a good enough wedge game to feel confident up that he could get it up and down and so we laid up with a pitching wedge and, and then he hit the same wedge to, to six or seven feet and made the putt for birdie and, and made birdie the kind of a, a different way that he would have ever done it before so again it's playing to your strengths uh, i think you've got to again you evaluate each each player and, what, and what's good for them i mean uh, and, and then also looking at the whole location. Where, where is your miss? Where, where it gives you the best chance to, to get up and down? Is this a better wedge flag or is this a, a green light flag? That if we can miss anywhere up, you know, up around the green, we can still get it up and down, and then obviously you go. Overall, by nature, I would say I'm very aggressive as a coach, and, and, and that's the way I was in college. I wanted to let my players play. I wanted to let them. Sometimes, sometimes you have to make mistakes. Sometimes you have to make, you have to even fail to, to, to learn. But you, but you better go down swinging. I mean, these scores are getting lower and lower, and, court, and they can build these courses as big and as long as they want to. But uh, it's not checking the scores at all. So you better be pretty aggressive, uh, pretty aggressive in, in, in nature and in, in trying to make birdies if you're going to win out there. Uh, but still, it's, it's an overall philosophy. It may sound contradictory, but it's not. I mean, uh, it's still uh, you know very, very boring golf. And, Look at the way Kelly played last week. He shot 15 under, made, only made five bogeys all week, which was, which is pretty good in, in some of those conditions. It's just a very boring, simplistic way of trying to trying to map out the golf course and trying to make uh, golf as stress as stress free as it possibly can. And that goes back to your practice. That goes back to your practice and being prepared in, in all areas of your game. So there really is a, is a weakness. So something you alluded to with John and the and the gap with like you know four iron to five wood i feel like with the you know 14 club limit you're gonna have either you know it seems to be you either have less wedges and more long clubs and you don't have that gap in the long clubs or you have more wedges and you deal with the gap like john has like i'm i'm perfect example i have the 
I have a three iron and then a three wood, and I just have this gap there. How how do you kind of coach that? What what's your overall philosophy? Uh, again, it's individualized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love I love the four wedge system because I think the majority of it, you're going to hit you're going to hit way more shots in a, in a round in a round of golf from a hundred a hundred and let's say from you know around the greens to fifty to one hundred and thirty yards than you're going to hit from 210 to 240 yards from 210 to 240 yards you may only hit three to four shots in a round of golf uh that are hit from that distance so i think you can get away with having a little bit of a gap there because it's not needed as much mm-hmm. uh but you might hit you might hit 10 to 12 shots uh, if not more uh from chipping pitching chipping pitching bunker to that 50 to 120 yards kind of distance wedge around distance wedge around distance wedges and, and around sorry i can't talk uh, and around the golf, so the, the stats say you know you should have as many clubs uh, from that from that yardage as possible, as opposed to having so many clubs at the top end of your bag that are from 200 to 240. Now, again, that's all structured upon a player. Uh, you got a guy that doesn't hit it that doesn't hit it really far. That's not going to have as many wedges. Then he might need a, a couple of extra clubs at the top. Uh, obviously, having a, you know, for example, in John's gap, having a gap from 210 to 240 is, is a little bit too much. Uh, I wish we could find a way to to, to probably straighten, you know, either maybe put in a three iron or strengthen his four iron a little bit. But he, he loves the four iron so much that it, it's it's a great club for him, and he's very good with it. He needs it on a lot of. There's a lot of 210, 215 yard par threes on tour, so it's a club that he, he really needs. But that gap is not great. But at the same time, I would rather have the clubs at, at the bottom at the bottom of the bag, so we really really can dial in our wedges. So uh, let's face it, from 200, 200 to two hundred ten yards. If you make par on the hole, it, it, you, you've done a great job. Yep. But from 120 yards, you better be averaging under par. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I, there are so many. It, that's one of my complaints with modern golf courses: just too many hundred or 210, 220 yard par par threes. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's the point of, of really getting guys to understand their stats, and that's what I. When I sit down with them, that's one of my responsibilities: is is keeping up with their staff and keeping up with, with what's going well, what's not going, what's not going well, so we we can change the practice plan, so we can change how we're how we're doing things, how we're working on things. So it's 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 constantly it's constantly evolving on, on what's going well, what what's not not going well, and understanding, getting them to understand that again, 30, you know, 30 35 feet from 200 yards, it, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, 25 feet from 120 yards is not okay, <laughs> but. And so it's uh, it's really um, it's, it's been a really neat experience just to, to see uh, uh, you know I love numbers I'm a stats guy I love numbers and I, and I think it's um, a large part of our game I wish I would have done more of this when I when I tried to play and if I could have you know I wish somebody when I was 20 22 23 years of age would have grabbed me by the collar and and, and, and showed me how to practice in a, in a more a more effective way or in, in a better way than how I went about it. Uh-huh. Um. So somebody, you know, without all the stats like of a PGA Tour pro, like how do you approach it with like your web.com guys that don't have as detailed and, uh, you know, advanced statistics? Yeah, that's no fun for me as a coach because the, the PGA Tour does a does a really nice job of keeping stats and makes my job a, a, lot, a lot easier. But with, with the guys that I work with on the web.com tour, I mean, a lot of it is, is, is asking them to keep the to, – to keep them on their own, you know the the ones that I think are, are important, the ones that really help me 
uh, structure, you know, structure their, their, their practice and, and knowing what we really need to, to work on and knowing if we need to spend more time in, in technique or more time in field-based practice or whatever it may be. So asking them to do it on their own uh, and also just constant communication. I mean, I, I'm a coach that uh, I, I speak to my guys regularly, whether it's my text, whether it's my phone. Uh, you know, my, my phone never never stops ringing, never stops texting, which is, uh, I guess, a good and a bad thing. I'm kind of addicted to my job and addicted to uh, to trying to help guys get better. But I think the, the communication, just having them, you know, honestly communicate what's really going on in their game because stats don't lie, numbers don't lie. You can't hide behind them. Uh, when I, you know, when I, whether it's been meeting with with, with John or Kelly and showing them, hey, you're you're not ranked in the top 150 in any short game category. Well, you know, before this year. You know, what do you do? We got to work on this. It's, uh, uh, it, but it's cool to see the results pay off. It's cool to see John Peterson this year ranked fourth in total. You know, granted it's only been seven, it's only played in seven events, but he's fourth in total scrambling on tour, which uh, shows his work is paying off. Kelly, the last uh, few weeks, has been above seventy-five percent at scrambling uh, in each of his weeks that he's had success. So uh, it shows it shows that it's paying off. But yeah, I, I sure wish the web.com. Uh, tour would find a way to, to, to keep better to keep better stats, but I understand with the uh, the manpower and the lack of volunteers, it's hard to do. But just just uh, getting my guys to give me the information that I need from them, and, and I don't expect them. Uh, honestly, I don't expect them to come up with the plans. Again, their job is to swing the club, provide me with the information, and it's my job to set up set up everything else so they can just show up and show up and play golf. So, of all the guys, whether they're on PGA Tour or Web.com Tour, or if they're in college, like, what's the one guy that you would most want to work with that you're not currently working with? <laughs> that's a yeah, that's a, a tough question. I might get might get in trouble for answering that one. I mean, um, gosh, that, that that's a tough one. I mean, who wouldn't want to work with Tiger and try to try to take on that? I mean, but unfortunately, I think his health is. Uh, is his biggest detriment right now. I mean, there's, there's, gosh, I mean, the, um, we play with, but we play with Bo Hostler last, last week, um, uh, in a practice round and Kelly played with him in the, in the two rounds. And that kid's, uh, really impressive and it has an absolute, absolute ton of, ton of, ton of upside and be pretty, be pretty cool to, uh, I don't know who his coach is or not, but whoever it is, is obviously doing, doing an incredible job because he's, uh, He's, he's pretty impressive. So I, I, I don't have anybody out there that I, I mean, there's, I, I, I'm, I'm confident enough and I feel like I can help, I can help, uh, guys get better. But I, I'm so happy with the guys that I work with and love, love to work with them. And, um, as I've told everybody, I'm, I'm not looking for players. Uh, I look to make the, make the ones I have better. Uh, if, if helping the guys I have have success and, and helping them get better leads to more guys, and then I'll be thankful for the opportunity. But to, to name one guy, gosh, I, I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. Just I'm I'm so thankful and lucky that I get to be around the best players in the world. I mean, playing practice round with Jordan Speed last week was pretty awesome. To pick his brain, see uh, I mean the experiences I have with Patrick Reed and and, and see him one of the best guy, best players in the world do his thing and, and and you know I know he learned from me, but I I learned just as much learned just as much from him. Uh, but so that's uh, you know being around Bubba Watson last year, Simon watching him hit shots and you think that I never thought were imaginable. Uh, with, with a golf ball, I mean the amount of curve he can put on a golf ball is pretty cool. He would he would be a fun one to to, to be around just because of his ability, uh, how he how he hits shots, how he thinks uh, would be pretty cool. But now just to just to be around those guys is awesome. I still get amazed every time I walk up and down the range uh, how lucky I am to get to what to get to do what I get to do. Whether it's 
sitting and watching uh, watching Zach Johnson at wedges, whether it's watching Adam Scott swing the golf club, whether it's watching you know Patrick Reed hit the golf ball, whether it's watching Jordan Spieth putt. I mean, those are pretty cool experiences. Those guys, I would uh, never thought of my wildest dreams. I would uh, never thought I'd ever win two national championships, and I darn sure never thought I would be sitting on the range with the best players in the world and being able to help some of them uh, try to win PGA Tour events. And uh, I'm thankful thankful to get to do it every day and um, hopefully it's going to keep uh, helping my guys better get better and hopefully uh, they, can, they can win a few events and have, have awesome careers and, uh, see what happens yeah um, so you coached Bryson in college and yeah. I, I'm fascinated by DeChambeau I think I think his sponsors don't do him well because you know anything he's trying they kind of turn into a product but like in general, I you know always trying to get better, and I, I'm I'm fascinated to hear a little bit about what it was like to coach uh, a guy like that. Yeah, one of the coolest experiences of, uh, of my life. It was it was very challenging. He was he was tough to coach because it, it was so uh, kind of different and polar opposite than anybody else I've ever been around, and, and polar opposite of, of my personality. But I think it was a good it was a good uh, a good fit. Um, he gave me a really neat compliment when he when he signed and, and, and chose to come to SMU, and he had some great great opportunities. Looked at Stanford, looked at UCLA, looked at Oregon, looked at a few other places for programs that were that were much better than us when when I first took over the job. And um, I'll never forget asking. I said, "Why did you choose us? Why did you choose SMU? Why did you want me to be your coach?" And, uh, he gave a great response. He just said, "You you were the only coach that would let me be me," uh, which was a pretty cool compliment. I, I wasn't gonna, he knew I wasn't going to try to change. Uh, he knew I was going to try to make him better, and I was going to challenge him uh, to get better and to, to see things sometimes in a different light. Uh, but I wasn't going to try to change the person he is. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a scientist, he's a physicist, he's uh, he's uh, the ultimate uh, the ultimate uh, I guess mechanic on the golf course. He's, he's, he's a robot. He's trying trying to find perfection at, at all times. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he still doesn't have feel and doesn't have knowledge of how to play the game. And I think that's where. You know, his, the combination of his ability to swing the golf club and understanding what he does, his belief. What I learned from him the most is what he believes in his way probably more than, than anybody I've ever seen and doesn't necessarily think it's, it's right or wrong for anybody else but knows it's right for him. I think our combination of me challenging him to, to try different shots, to learn how to practice it in a different way to, to do some other things really, really worked well. And uh, He's going to figure it out. I know he's going through a little bit of a, a, little bit of a rough time uh, right now, but uh, what twenty-three-year-old doesn't have some struggles on the PGA Tour? I mean, this is all new. This is all new to him. It's it's new cities, it's new golf courses, it's new. Uh, it's 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 a tough deal. It's not as easy as, as people think. And the kid's terribly talented, and, and he he will figure it out because there's nobody that's going to outwork him. And, and I think uh, hopefully over time he'll keep continue to evolve and, and 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 listen to some of those that are you know guys out on tour that have some experiences that he doesn't have, and and combine his his knowledge of the game with, with some other knowledges of kind of how to play the game and, and get a better understanding of some things that have worked for some guys that have had, had a ton of success. And I, I think uh, he will do that over time. And when he does, uh, he, he can be a, you know, an incredible player. But um, I love the fact that he's not afraid, to, not, not afraid to try things, not afraid to try to, you know, the fact that he's putting, you know, face on, the, the fact that he's got all the clubs the same length. I mean, whether it's right or wrong, I mean, you got to give the kid credit for trying it. Uh, and, and he'll, at some point, he's, as he's always told me, when there was a couple times when uh, we talked about going to shorter wedges because, you know, it, it seems odd that you're hitting, hitting wedges with a, with a length of a 7-iron. 
you would think you would be better with shorter wedges. But and he would talk about it, and he would always kind of come back to me and say, "Coach, I'm going to figure it out." And and, and he did figure it out, and he, he's developed into having a uh, become a very you have know, a very nice short game with what's something that looks very very unorthodox. So uh, he's he's a special kid, and hopefully he'll uh, he'll he'll keep getting better. He's going to keep maturing. I'm uh, going to keep growing up, keep uh, understanding what it, what it takes for him to be great, and he will, uh, he'll figure it out over time. So He's, he's going to be just fine. You don't, you don't get to a point where you're win the NCAA championship, win the U.S. amateur, you know, tie for the lead in, in, in the Masters. Uh, he, he's, he's got a ton of belief and a ton of game, and it's just going to take uh, – just takes a lot of reps out there and a lot of getting comfortable. It's hard. It's hard out there. Yeah, I, I think he uh, – I think he'll play actually well this week. I think he – is built for courses that require a little bit more thought, more strategy, um, mm-hmm. to rather yeah. than you know the bomb and gouge stuff. Um, right. So what what's the craziest theory that he ever came to you with? Did, were there any you know like you hear about Bones having a veto for Phil when Phil has you know some crazy idea of a shot he's going to pull off? Did you know were there any ideas that you had to just hard veto? <laughs> I don't think I ever gave, gave him gave him a hard beat up because I, I knew I knew I would lose his respect as, as as his coach if I ever didn't let him try it and kind of figure it out on his own. He did have some weird theories. I mean, obviously the uh, the, the face on putting he's talked about for a long time. He's always said that he that he was going going to putt that way. And I kind of looked at him like he was crazy, but uh, at the same time, it, I, I know him well enough that that if it if it will either one work. Or if it doesn't work, he'll be smart enough to figure out that it doesn't work, and he'll go back to to, to party conventional. But um, there were a few stories. I mean, he, he he would he would the very first time we were at a tournament, um, he wanted he wanted me to stop. He asked me to stop at the store, and he needed to get some Epsom salt because uh, he and I said, well, "What are you talking about? I don't even know what Epsom salt is." He wanted to test all of his golf balls to make I, th- I think it's to find where the the center point of the, go- the golf ball is and to make sure they're properly centered or, or something. I can't even explain it properly, but he would he would know how to explain it much better than I do than I than I do. But he um, dips them in the water every night before he plays to try to find out what, which golf balls are the right ones to use. So, uh, but you know what? That, that's what believes it. Yeah, uh, and it's pretty uh, it's pretty cool, but. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he, he's a different cat, uh, but he but he's a good, he's a good, good great kid at heart, and um, I hope he uh, I hope he continues to to get better and better. You know, but I, I think he's got it's, it's refresh it's refreshing it's refreshing to see in this game because you know a lot of the game is uh, you know everybody everybody kind of does things the, the the same way, and um, you know he, he's not 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 a, not afraid to be different, and I think probably over time you combine that ability of, of not 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 being afraid to be different, but combining that with the ability to to learn from others and to, to learn that you know there there are other guys that can that can really help him uh, evolve as a player, combining his knowledge with their knowledge, and he he can be uh, he, he can be pretty special. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a really good pro for a really long time. Um, yeah, he's so much so. so much talent. Uh, so I talk with you know my buddies on the mid amp circuit, which I like to call the loser tour, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, and we talk about, you know, guys that made it and, you know, why we're sitting playing at some local muni on a weekend. And uh, one thing we always come back to is like this irrational confidence that all these guys have. Do you, do you think that that is, you know, part of it, like this just unbelievable self-belief? 
I think it's 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 the confidence in in, in their ability and it's in the, one of the, the neatest things that, that that I've seen. Even walking around with Jordan Spieth last week in the practice round, I mean his his self talk is so impressive. I mean, you know, you, you probably hear him. He's, he's a little emotional. He, he talks to himself and he talks to Michael Scotty quite a bit on the golf on the golf course. But his self talk, he will never ever talk badly about about himself. He has the utmost belief. Um, you know, I, I had a pretty good feeling he was going to have a great week last week because you know, he flat out said, I mean, I, I love these greens. Those, those greens last week were awesome. They were some of the worst greens I've ever seen. They were, it was wet, it was, they were poanted, they were bouncy, they were bumpy, but he loved that because he knows he's a great putter and, and he you know, kind of flat out said, hey, if I miss a putt this week, I know it's not me. I know it's just a green. And that, that sounds arrogant, but it's honestly, it's a, it's a factual statement in his mind. It's the way he believes. Um, and so I think that's that's the thing. You've got to have that positive self-talk and 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 and, and the confidence, and, and never you know never beating yourself up, never telling yourself you're, you're not any not any good at anything. And that's something that uh, is a, I, I wish I had that. Always uh, uh, the best players I've ever coached, whether it's been Patrick Reed or or Hendrick Norlander or John Peterson or Kelly Craft or, or or guys that just had successful college careers. Uh, they all had one thing in common, that they believe that they're twice as good as they really are. Uh, unfortunately, I believe that I was half as good as I really was. <laughs> and that's a, ba- that's a bad quality, and that's why I was never as good a player as I could have been, and that's why these guys are really good. Uh, and that's not arrogant. I mean, you can have, you just inwardly, you've got to believe you're the best out there. And yeah. you've got to be selfish. And you've got to be selfish with your time, because it's a, there's a lot going on out there. And if you're not selfish with your time, it would be easy to get to get swayed in a lot of, or pulled in a lot of different directions. Yeah, my my goal this this year in uh, tournament play is to never once tell myself I suck. So you know, I, I... <laughs> good luck with that one. I do that about every about every other hole. Every, yeah, every hole. Uh, that, that's a tough. I'm a, I'm a... But it's the truth. If you, if you tell yourself that, then you're eventually going to believe it, and that's uh, uh, it's just it's it's a standard line, but it's it's the truth. You've got to, and that's. Uh, Biggest one of my biggest biggest jobs as these guys coaches is, is, is a, there's a lot of a, the mental side involved with it, and, and especially if I'm you know ever caddying, but definitely you know definitely telling these guys constantly you know how good they are. Yes, you've got to be critical, and you've got to you've got to point out what they've what they've got to work on. But uh, one of the things I've always tried to stand by as a coach is is when you're coaching, when you're when you're giving a guy constructive criticism, you better point out the positive first. You point out the positive, positive first, then you can point out the negative. If you point out the negative first, they never hear the positive. Uh, you can tell a, you can tell a kid, hey, you you you, you putted you putted really well, you putted great today, really really proud of it. But you know, but you know what, well, we got to we got to work on your your chipping a little bit today. Well, they 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 hear that part, they hear the negative. But if you start with the negative first, they never hear the positive. Yeah, and that's. I'm a firm believer in that that you've got to kind of build a guy up before you before you can ever kind of bring him bring him down a little bit to make him realize what he, what he's got to do to get better. So uh, you you've touched on Henrik Norlander a couple times, and you know I've heard this legend yeah. that he, he might be like one of the ten best ball strikers in the world. Is... Oh, that that's a you know that's that's I I wouldn't argue with that. Um, uh, he's like a second son to me. I I. I uh, Coached him obviously in college for four years, and uh, still I would consider myself one of his coaches, but mainly just just one of a, a really really close friend of his. And we we talk, uh, you know, it seems like almost daily. We're really close, and he's he can do things with a golf ball that I've seen very very few do. He, he's very impressive from tee to green. 
uh, and now he's start he's starting to starting to really develop around the greens as well, and his his putting uh, is getting is getting so much better, and he's got a much better uh, way of practicing, and he's done some great work um, with Ramon Wisconsin, the perfect putter, and, and done some really good work, and has a kind of a plan with, with what he with what he's doing now with his putting. Uh, it's getting getting better. Obviously, that show just showed with his results this year. Showed with his with his loss in the playoff at at Sea Island, and, and um, I expect some really good things from him because he can from tee to green. He's as good he's as good as I've ever seen. Uh, one of the one of the few guys in the world that I've ever been able to see hit, hit flighted cuts. And most guys that, that hit that hit cuts hit them all way up in the air, and he can actually slide it down and control it with a fade. And it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty uh, pretty special to watch. And he's he's started to be able to take take his game at home or and take his game on the range. To the actual course because he's always um, you know, he's always had, had a little trouble kind of letting it go and playing without fear and now that he's starting to understand how to let it go and, and that that comes from comes results uh, when you start having results it, it leads to confidence and, and then there's you, know, you can work all, you can work as hard as you want and, and effectively as you want but if you never have results it's hard to have have confidence uh, or full confidence and uh, he's starting to get that and uh, hopefully he can get a few more starts in this year and and lock up a short card, which would be pretty quite of accomplishment without having any, any status this year. Uh, but he, he um, he's starting to believe in that. that he, he knows he, can, he he's always known he can win out there. I've always known he can win out there. But quite honestly, it was it was almost a little bit of false belief because he really hadn't had any results to back it up. And then now, you know, finishing second at Sea Island ever since then has kind of changed his whole mentality and whole belief. And and now he has that validation to say, hey, I can get it done on Sunday when it really matters. And, um, I think you know once he's in that position again, he's going to close the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he uh, he almost pulled that that thing off. That was kind of a crazy tournament out there. Um, with was a five. Yeah, days? it was wild. Finished. I still think if in that playoff, if he could have found a way to hit that six iron on on, on the green instead of in the bunker, there'd been a good chance he might have, he might have won that outright. It would definitely put a little bit more pressure on those guys trying to get it up and down. And, Especially being the last one to hit, but hit a good shot. Just came up a yard short and then mm-hmm. hit a good bunker shot and, and, and hit a great bunker shot. Just didn't make the putt, but um, there'll, there'll be a lot more chances for him. Yeah, it was like thirty degrees, so it had to be hard. I mean, yeah. for those guys picking a yardage, it figuring brutal. it out. Yeah, it was. It was really yeah, it was a to- to- kind of kind of a guess. Uh huh. So you know, with Patrick Reed, it, you know he's str- he hasn't you know really been in contention in a major. Um, do you think it's just, you know, you know, it's only four tournaments a year, you know, is there anything that, you know, he needs to do, uh, you know, to work on to really get, you know, where he's in the thick of it in a major? Cause I, I it seems to be that's the last piece of his career. I mean, he's already, and he's young still, but you know, that's the one glaring missing, uh, part of his, uh, resume. Well, if you look at it, he had his, he had his best two finishes in a, in a major last year. He finished finished tenth at the British Open, and I think tenth, he finished tenth at eleventh at the British Open and the PGA. And those were his, those were his two best finishes ever in a major. So that was a that was a step in the right direction. But no, that's just a you know honestly he hasn't played in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and that just takes uh, a while getting getting comfortable getting in that position. But uh, he, he will have he will have plenty of major successes. I mean, you don't he lives for that moment. He lives for, for the Ryder Cup. Uh, you, you can't perform. Uh, like he has in the in the Ryder Cup and had the consistency that that he had last year and, and to have won five times, uh, that's just the next step. That's just the next step is, is getting in contention in majors and uh, he he will win his fair share when, when, it, when it's all said and done. But yeah, I, I know that's a big priority of his and uh, he, he will de- definitely get that done. 
when when you're doing practice drills and you're competing against them you know is you know what what's it like competing against patrick reed <laughs> you're not going to win very often uh so that's one thing now he's he's the ultimate competitor i mean he he he, hate, he probably hates losing more than he loves winning and i think that's a that's a trait of a lot of great guys they hate, they hate to lose so badly that they're just going to find a way to win and um, and that's why he's so good in, in the in the Ryder Cup format and any form of match play format because he, he just he just lo- he just loves to beat you and he's just going to find a way to step on you when, when he's got you and he's never going to give up. Uh, he, he might have a bad hole here here or there, but um, that he he's the guy that wants the ball at the end of the game. He's the guy that wants the last shot. He's the guy that wants the, wants the football with under two minutes with, with a chance to win the game. And that that's that's why he will uh, have had so much success as a Ryder Cupper and. And I think over time he'll go down as one of the greatest Ryder Cup players of all time because he's uh, his match play record is is phenomenal. Whether it's been in, in junior golf, uh, amateur golf, and college golf, he went six and zero in, in match play, and, and you've seen the success that he's had in, in the Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup. And uh, I think it's all, only going to get better because he, he truly just lives for that moment. Yeah, I mean he's turned into an American legend because of because of the Ryder Cup. I mean, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he wanted Rory McIlroy when McIlroy's playing oh, yeah. probably the best, some of the best golf of his career. Yeah, that was uh, pretty pretty incredible. Two matches, uh, the Nichols, Nichols and Sergio match, and then the Rory and Rory and uh, Patrick match were about, about about as good as golf can can be played uh, on that day. It was pretty uh, off, awfully special stuff. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, uh, he he'll be the type that that, that will want to play five five matches every every Ryder Cup that he participates in. He'll, he'll never he'll never want to sit out. I can promise you that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was it was cool. I think that you definitely. It, I feel like that Phil Sergio match just got got so overshadowed by the Rory uh, Reed match, but you know, like that match was so insanely good. It probably you know, it seemed like uh, Reed and McElroy wore each other out by like hole eight. And but that match uh, was just eighteen holes of unbelievable golf. Yeah, it was, it was probably the, the best I've seen. De- definitely in that format, anyway. Mm-hmm. Birdie after birdie. So uh, we'll get you out of here because I know it's, it's it's a tournament week. You got tomorrow's the first round, so you probably got your phone's probably ringing off the hook. But um, so with uh, last question uh, from Twitter. What could amateurs learn most from you know the games of uh, professionals? Like you know, what what can uh, you know, average average Joe take away from uh, watching a PGA Tour event or you know watching a specific player at a at an event? I, I think the biggest thing they can do is just just watch how they manage watch how they manage the golf course, watch how they play play the game, and they're never you know very rarely. Very rarely do they put themselves uh, in trouble. Uh, they know when to take chances with the right clubs. Uh, again, they know with their wedges, they're they're pretty much firing at every flag. With you know seven, six iron, five iron, they're they're trying to hit it to, to 20, 30, 30 feet for the most part, and, and make their pars and move on. But I think you, 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 the one of the things that I think is is really really special to, to watch for guys, and what I've really my guys uh, over and over and over again is getting you know is, is around the greens and getting the basic shots up and down you don't have to get you know the, be- the best guys the best short games in the world they don't always get it up and down they don't get the hardest ones up and down all, uh, all the time but if you watch how they chip and pitch the ball on the basic ones and the easy ones they chip at the tap in 
the chip, you know, they, it looks like it's going in all the time. And I think that that's something that is very, you know, underrated is getting the basic ones up and down to where there's no stress, you know, chipping it to where it's tap in. Uh, that's how you develop a sound short game. Yes, it's nice to hit the super top shot, the hard ones, get those, get those close. But honestly, those guys are when they, when they have a super tough shot, they're just trying to hit it to, you know, give themselves a chance to to make a putt. But the basic ones, they look at those as scoring opportunities. And and uh, you know, quite honestly, am, amateurs, uh, whether it's juniors, whether it's college players, you know, high handicappers, low handicappers, mid, successful mid ends, whatever it may, may be. Um, you can't stress the value of spending spending enough time around the greens. I mean, if you if you have an hour to practice, I mean, what does everybody do? They go to the range, they hit as many balls as they can, and they wind up hitting you know way too many drivers, and, and they really don't do anything that really got them better. Where they would be much better off spending half their time on the range and half the time chipping, pitching, and putting, uh, and really getting better. And, and again, I have a simple theory: if you could try to find a way to spend equal time in all four four areas of the game, if you're going to practice for for two hours, if you spend 30 minutes on the, on the range, 30 minutes shipping, pitching, buckering, 30 minutes putting, and 30 minutes with your distance wedges, and it's it's pretty hard not to improve. It yeah. sounds very simple, very dumbed down, but uh, honestly, that's that's the first question I ask everybody when I when I when I start you know when I start working them. But then I ask them one question: I say, how when's the last time you spent equal 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 time working all phases of the game? And and most of the time, nobody's ever been able to answer that with, yeah, I do that all the time. Or I've, or I've even ever done that. Uh, I know I haven't, and I know most, most of even the best players in the world haven't, but why don't we? If those are the four main areas of the game, why wouldn't we spend equal time in those? And it sounds very dumb, dumbed down, but it's, uh, it's the way I wish uh, I wish I would have practiced. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, I think I practice much smarter now than when I was younger, and I always think about, man, if I spend as much time, you know, or at least the percentages I spend now on putting and short game, that when I was a kid, I would have been so much better. So yeah, and and and, and, I, and I guarantee you, you don't spend as much time in technique as well because you don't have the time. And and I think that's that's the area where I think that we see the biggest the fallout is just you know, we we get so obsessed with technique and trying to perfect something that is really really it's not not attainable as opposed to to the shot making, the the randomness of practice, the competitiveness of practice, and really doing things that are going to develop trust develop confidence that's going to carry that's actually going to transfer to the golf course because yes yes the technique work is important and you have to do that but and that is a guarantee it's going to transfer over to the golf course because when you're on the first tee and and you're, ner- you're nervous and you've got people around or maybe it's just playing with your buddies at your home course you better have something to fall back on and, and done enough competitive practice and done enough re- rehearsals that hey i feel like i i can pull the shot off yeah yeah i, I think it's this the uh... Smartest way is just uh, spend time everywhere and become more well-rounded. But um, hey, you know, really appreciate the uh, time, and it was awesome to pick your brain and get to kind of nerd out about golf with you for uh, for an hour. <laughs> well, I love it. I love. I'm so blessed with what I get to do, and love love uh, love making guys better, and it's it's my passion, and I'm, I'm thankful that I have a awesome wife and awesome kids that allow me to, to, to be on the road a lot of the time because if I didn't have that, I sure wouldn't be able to, to do it. So uh, it's cool, and I love helping my guys get better, and hopefully uh, even even better things are coming. Yep. Well, we'll uh, stay in touch and uh, look forward to meeting you at one of these events sometime. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.